everyone, and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, and joining me is Tara. Hello. We talk about Twilight Zone on this show. This is uh, Season 2, Episode 6. It's going to be Eye of the Beholder. It's a big episode. Full spoilers for it, uh, as always. Behind the curtains here a little bit. It's actually been a little while since we recorded the last one of these. They've, I mean, they've been a little bit spread out as they've come out, but they've been kind of, you know, consistent in how they've come out. Uh, it's mm-hmm. actually been a little while for us because we've been recording a bunch of extra movies, so it's been a little while since we've done the last Twilight Zone. And I'd forgotten that the next one was going to be Eye of the Beholder, so I, I went to watch it, like, you know, an hour maybe 90 minutes ago, put it on the desk, and I was like, oh, I the Beholder's next. Oh, oh, I forgot <laughs> this was the next one. Yeah, kind of a big one. Yeah, the premise of this is that we we meet a character whose name I just checked, and I've forgotten already, Janet Tyler. Uh, Tyler. So we meet her, and she's wrapped in bandages. We don't see her, see her face. We just see her bandage-covered face, and she's in a hospital bed, and you know we have the nurse talking to her then later the doctor but ultimately she's there to fix her face because she is ugly she is so ugly we hear the others talk about her as if she's the most ugliest thing ever and over the course of the episode it sort of makes it clear and clear uh, just how big a deal that is in this society and so on and so on and then there's a very really famous twist uh, which i will not spoil well, ah, I feel spoilers for the whole episode, I can just say it. So the twist is, of course, that uh, she looks normal. All, all episodes, she's talking about being ugly and ugly and ugly, and then when they take off the bandages, she's actually a very attractive woman. And the twist is that everyone else, who I should also mention, we've not seen their faces yet because the camera keeps either cutting them off because uh, they're just above frame or they're in shadow so we don't see any you know any of their actual faces we see, just see their, you know, their, their outline their, their their silhouette or whatever and ultimately uh they're like pig-faced humanoid people and we're in dun, a world dun, dun. where that is normal and therefore attractive and what we would consider attractive uh is ugly to them uh hence the title eye of the beholder the idea that to us these pig people are ugly uh, you know, more or less. I mean, don't get me wrong. Watching it in the perspective of this is a TV show, I can kind of tell that these people are attractive enough underneath that that makeup. <laughs> you, you know, it's is what it is. Uh, sure. Yeah. So that's that's the the gist of the episode. I mean, I'm going to assume you're going to say yes to this. But Tara, did you enjoy Eye of the Beholder? Actually, yes. Yes. Try to swerve me there. Yes, I did. Yeah, not gonna work. That is a that is a fact. Um, unfortunately, I mean, not only is it a famous episode, but I of course I already know the twist, and there's no way to watch it and really, um, really tell if if the the twist would have gotten me. You know, oh, watching so, it now because I know it so well. Yeah, but do you remember the first time you watched it? No. Uh, so I I do I I because I only watched this for the f- I mean it's been about five or six years now but you know I was I was an adult already so it wasn't like I was a kid or anything like that and I remember thinking okay there's going to be a reveal with all these other people because the camera is not showing them they're, they're making a very clear point of not looking up at them and not uh you know it, 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 which first of all gives the episode a very distinct visual style that makes it stick out from every other episode so far definitely bef- before it even gets to any of the actual plot it's just like well this is interesting mm-hmm. the camera keeps avoiding looking at them it's looking at their hands it's you know it's just neck down or it'll go into a close with their hand as they pass something over or 
uh, later on in the episode, there's moments where, like, you could almost see a doctor's face, but then the nurse will be standing in front of him. And they've clearly timed mm-hmm. this and choreographed this so that you may never see the face. It's this, this almost this thing where I can almost imagine a lot of, like, uh, uh, you know, takes that were unusable because they would move out of position, but they'll just be slightly off their mark. So they'd probably, oh, cut, we need to do it again. But it, it works not just for the twist, though. It also works because, I mean, our the the story that we're following for Janet Tyler she's she's also blind like she doesn't know what anyone looks like she under the bandages and stuff so if you're watching it for the first time you can kind of just be like well this is helping us understand what she's going through maybe she can tell like if someone's a man or a woman or a nurse or a doctor or how many people are in the room but she doesn't really know what anyone looks like we're kind of blind like she is yeah we're blind like she is until she takes the bandages off and then that's when we get the reveal you know that's when we, we get we get both reveals yeah yeah we get both reveals at the same time um you know give or take a you know a few seconds because we see her first and then like she runs for the door then the lights come on she turns around and that's when everyone turns around and we see the faces of the doctor and the nurse and uh the orderlies in the room um i mean it's very effective um i think you know it's you look at some of the weaker episodes of the show up until this point. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple even this season. You know, the first episode of the season wasn't that great. And then there was a, yeah. you know, Nervous Man, a $4 room was kind of weak. And I look at this episode and go, like, Rod Serling did write some of the bad episodes. It's not like all of his ones are the good ones and then like, other writers did the bad ones. Like, he's yeah, written some stuff. This is one of his, right? Yeah, this is one of his. Yeah, he wrote this episode. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, how did he write those bad ones? This this is like night and day above, like, yeah. pr- probably like up until this point, like, this is like top two or three episodes, right? Oh, definitely. Up until this yeah. point, like I mean, it's it's phenomenal. And the things I'd forgotten about it as well as the world building is it's not just we have the mm-hmm. twist and we it's have like super fascist and yeah. very like Hitler <laughs> style. Yeah, which you know adds into the the themes of because because we find out over the course of the episode that if this eleventh attempt because they have eleven attempts to try and cure her as it mm-hmm. were. And if it fails, then she's put in, like, a society of just her her own type, right? Mm-hmm. Her own kind of people, your type of people. And right, which we she refers to as, like, a ghetto. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of parallels here to various things. Obviously, uh, the, the most basic one is the idea of anyone who is born with any kind of deformity or any kind of, mm-hmm. like, irregular thing. I think the wider, broader spectrum is just straight up, you know, racism and things like that. You know, this idea of segregation. Yeah. Um, especially since we're bringing fascism into it and we're bringing in the idea of going to camps and going to places of just your community and like you're, you're going over here on your own and the promise of being on your own over here with your own kind like mm-hmm. th- that comes into it so I'd forgotten about the world building elements to it but I think even before you get to the you get to the fascism stuff there's just a lot of good sort of theorizing and like you know her talking about wanting to feel beautiful and you know she's in the dark and she's always felt like people scream at her and all, all these other things and the doctor like has this existential crisis where he almost starts to believe that you know I've seen her true face and maybe just maybe I can I can reveal that true face and it'll be this beautiful thing and the nurse talks him over and says no that's treasonous you can't, I know I know you're upset but we can't talk like this um so, so yeah like yeah they they're not welcome in society at all and there's no reason for them not to be able to integrate her other than she's different therefore she has to be ostracized and and put into a group of other people who are like her that are different from the people who are in charge and who are deciding what beauty is yeah and of course the reason why the twist works so well um 
even though I, I think I actually kind of because I didn't know what the twist was going in the first time I watched this and I I want to say that I kind of figured it out before the reveal happened, probably because they were hiding all the other faces. And I think the reason why the twist works as well as it does anyway, regardless if you figure it out or not, is because the whole point of this, if the whole point of this is to show us what being, like, you know, ostracized or being treated differently because of your appearance or because of who you are, the Mm -hmm. idea of finding out, wait, the person who's been treated this way is what at least TV and movies think of as the pinnacle is this attractive blonde woman. It's like the pinnacle of attractiveness, of normality that we all strive to be. Um, And if going back to the fascism thing, I mean, you can't help but think of the Aryan race and all that master race bollocks. Like, Sure, yeah. Well, we we get glimpses of the leader of this society now. We don't know if it's Earth or whatever, but it's, and he's very much like a, a man like Hitler, just at a podium Mm-hmm. giving hand salutes and talking about how, um, I don't know, like how to be an upstanding citizen in this world. And it's, uh, it's clearly, yeah, there's clearly some parallels here. Yeah. And the ending, like, I mean, it leaves it off a little bit more hopeful in the sense that, you know, when she's taken away by this other like normal looking guy to like their community, um, yeah. it doesn't seem like it's, it's literally a concentration camp in the way that we think of it, but uh, so there is a little bit more neutral in that. Maybe, maybe I mean, that may just be to tone it down a little bit for TV because they didn't want to be that depressing at the end. Um, yeah, I guess it is very much still like you can live with us. You can you can have a life here. It won't be the life that you want because you can't be a part of society. But we we do our best. You know, you won't be lonely at least. Yeah, but that's different. it. Does sound like it's not like the best place oh obviously but it, it is different from what we think of as contradiction because even at one point she asked that she, to be killed she says if i'm not cured yeah. uh, i want to be killed and he says no no like that's only granted under certain circumstances i don't think that'll be allowed so i mean that's the one sort of big difference there in, in, that, in that sense but i i do think that um that might just come from a pl- i don't know if that's, that's that saying something specifically or if that just comes from a place of no this is on network tv in 1960 we can only go so far so the place she's going has to sound a little bit you know it's, it's still this segregated community but it's it's not mm-hmm. you're going off to the, the, the you know the gas chamber it's not that um so I don't know if sure. it's, if that's why it is. It's because it's not a censorship per se. Like maybe he could have gotten away with it if he tried. Maybe even Rod Serling just thought, "Nah, that's probably too much. I don't want to go that extreme with it." Or could be. I mean, I think the Twilight Zone's already gone darker than that. But um, maybe because of there's a like a young female in the in the leading role, they, people don't want to see that. Who knows? It could, it could be that. It could, it could also just. Uh, be an actual statement in and of itself um you know the idea like okay there's these dark you know fascist like uh, allegories and there's the i mean not even allegories some of it's just outright there but uh mm-hmm. there's all these allegories and stuff but maybe you know because the whole the whole idea of the eye of the beholder that, that that saying which is brought up by the end of the episode i mean i think the whole point of the ending is to give it this happier ending where she does actually get to go somewhere where someone will think she's beautiful because she is with mm-hmm. her own kind. Uh, even if that does almost kind of not contradict, but doesn't necessarily gel completely with the darker themes of the rest of the episode, but it wants to give it, a, it's just something a bit more uplifting. I mean, almost bringing it back around to like, if you've got all these allegories that we're talking about, about, you know, people of different race, people of different whatever, I think 
the ending almost brings it back around to surface level and just talking about beauty again and just the idea of okay if you are ugly don't worry other people will find you attractive is you know the, those people <laughs> All exist ugly people will 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 just have to settle yeah, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> <they> clamp it <laughs> but none of that's a, a critique honestly the episode has one of the best atmospheres of any of the, the episodes so far uh he- it, it's almost like it took what uh that mannequin episode had started like when she was up there in the in the in the attic space or this unused area like uh, of the building and it's just a floor of a lot of shadow and light and you don't really get a clear image of things and you're just constantly like I, trying to piece things together i think i might have even said actually in that episode that uh, the twist in that was actually kind of similar to this one i don't know if i named this episode i might have like held it back for spoilers sake i mean i said oh it's, it kind of reminds me of a famous episode that's coming up or whatever but uh, I, th- I think it was alluding to this one because that episode you know the, the twist was is that she wasn't a human she was one of these other things and it kind of right. it's kind of the flip-flop of this where no no the, the twist is is that the, the, you know the, the person in the badge is, is is the normal one and all these other people are the the uglies <laughs> as it were um but it, no, it's, it does that beautiful thing where it, it flips it and because all of a sudden uh like you know, like we're we're seeing a, a white woman being treated like she's the the freak, and yeah. there's something kind of stark about that. And so, she hates it too. Like she yeah. she hates her image. Yeah, uh, it's to show how easy this you know that this this could be anyone in this position if roles mm-hmm. were just flipped a little bit. You know, if if, if things were just yeah. a little bit different, and you know, in human yeah. history. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, I was um, thinking of um, uh, like Black Panther when um. Oh, what's her name? The 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 bald woman with the wig, and she throws the wig. Uh, you know, okay. we get the we get this hair that's like a, a, what we would consider like an attractive hairstyle, and she's like, "What is this?" And she just th- like throws it off and stuff mm. like that. I, I love that moment. I love that that film also like embraces their natural hair because it's not something you really see very often, like at least in the last. 10, 20 years in, in media, or even like Ohura, when we see her, she's got this, like, she's got a very uh, American white woman look at that time, you know, with the beehive and her hair is like all straightened out. She wouldn't have a natural, like, afro on Star Trek or anything like that. Like, it just, it, it does remind me of how, how, like, women are just forced to conform to look like whatever our standard of beauty is. And I, I think I sort of live in that world and I see a lot of young, beautiful women with like, they're trying to make themselves look like Kim Kardashian or something, whoever the, the, the standard of beauty is right now. And it's, it's hard not to notice like, you know, you would be really beautiful if you just didn't put all that stuff in your face or... <laughs> there's something there i i know that i mean to each their own i I know you're going for an image but like so many people just look like clones there's actually a better episode or not i should say that there's an episode of the twilight zone later on that is a better example of this but um it's still just uh what you're saying is is that all these people are try to put their own pig face on to just to sort of correlate it to the episode they're trying to give themselves the pig face in a way yeah yeah or like uh i I was thinking a a comparison is like when i go to uh, a makeup counter which uh, or at and like this 
this this woman behind the counter with like this caked on makeup is telling me how how to make me beautiful you know she's giving me these tips and all the things i can wear and i can't help but like study their face and think but that's all fake like that's not really you i don't know <laughs> not that i i'm anti-makeup i i do wear makeup not all the time but when it's appropriate and these kind of episodes make me think about that stuff <laughs> I guess I see kind of see makeup as like an extension of an outfit, you know. Like, okay, yeah, I see that. But, but there is a, a bit of a double standard when it comes to like men and women when it, with that kind of stuff. But at, at the same time, like I get it. Like I'm I'm drawn to cosmetic counters too, but like it's I do think about it sometimes. I I have to force myself to not wear makeup. <laughs> which I've done even in these videos. I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to wear it. And it's really uncomfortable. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I have never worn makeup in any of these videos. <laughs> I know. You have a very shiny head. <laughs> I, I think all the time I can match some really great powder. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you saying I should wear makeup? Is that is that what you're saying? A little to me bronzer right? would be fine. Oh my, it's acceptable God. now. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, of course not. No one should have to wear makeup. It should my... be a, a a choice that someone makes. Like like lipstick and nail polish are are just like fun accent pieces to your outfits, kind of a thing. My shiny head can beam into everyone's living room <laughs> as much as it bloody well wants. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I suppose that's something that we've not really talked about yet at all in context of the episode is just what it's saying about alterations and plastic surgery yeah. and things like that. Um, well, there is an episode of Twilight Zone that, that does explore that later on. I don't know which season it is. Yeah. But I mean, this episode is exploring that a little bit. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's dipping its toe in it. Yeah. For sure. It's, you know, it's... Um, you know, she's so obsessed with changing things and like, oh, if it doesn't work, you know, whatever will I do? My life is over. It's not worth living if I can't, yeah. you know, look this way. Um, she just has to conform so she can have the lifestyle she wants. Joe, I will say, because uh, yeah, there is a, like a really great um, speech she gives at one point about wanting to go outside and sit in the dark because she can feel normal because it's nighttime and no one yeah. can see her. So she gets to feel normal for a little bit. Uh, and they don't let her do it but it's just I, I thought it was a really nice little speech and then a little detail that i liked is that you know tv shows and movies from the past you know don't tend to be that great at predicting the future but uh, i will say when you know the tvs come down to show the the you know the the the, the future uh you make a speech yeah. i will say i'm like huh those do look a lot like flat screen tvs i, I have yeah. to i have to give them credit like the <laughs> that actually looks not I mean, yeah that's a good point i didn't even notice it but as soon as you mentioned it like yeah you're right it looks like a a tv that you would find in a i don't know like a medical facility today yeah i mean the, the only <laughs> difference is that you know they don't pop down from the ceiling usually but other than that like yeah it looks like a flat screen tv sure <laughs> yeah. yeah credit where credit's true um because they'll get a lot of things right. I mean, even your precious Star Trek gets a lot of things wrong. However, I will say the communicators and mobile phones are actually, can be quite close. Like, see if someone's using the speakerphone and their phone and they're just holding it out like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah this is very Star Trek-y. <laughs> yep. I know, I miss having the flip phone. <laughs> Stop calling us. Captain, that stalker's calling us again. Uh... <laughs> I have that, you know. I have a 
I have a Bluetooth communicator from the original Star Trek. I had the hold is fantastic, and I think uh, it is visually different and interesting compared to the rest of the episodes. It's got a strong narrative that it sticks to. Mm. None of it feels like filler. Every every scene introduces new ideas to the story. You know, we start off with just tense. you know, it starts Very off with, with just her scared about you know not looking beautiful, right? That she wants to look beautiful, she looks ugly, and then it introduces in the next scene what everyone else thinks of her, her face. Because at first we think, oh, she's just you know she's. <laughs> their faces. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so ugly. I have to like you know. Oh, she's just you know. She's just, she's just a bit over dramatic, right? But then we get the scene where the other characters say, "Oh, have you seen her face under those bandages? Oh my god, I'd kill myself if I looked like that." Right? So then, it's yeah. like, oh, so she actually does look really bad. Okay, I wonder, I wonder to what extent. And then he introduced the doctor and uh, the idea that this is the final attempt and that she'll have to move somewhere else. And then the next scene introduces the idea of the of the you know the dictator, the dictator, the dictator, dictator on the on the <laughs> screen. Don't think about Recall, huh? Uh, <laughs> see you at the party rector um and then you know and then the next scene introduces like it's, it's the big sequence where they actually take off the bandages and i love the pov shot within the bandages seeing mm. more and more light coming through as our vision's getting more and more of the light because there's less layers of bandages yeah it's on really it. really well directed yeah um and then the actual reveal is really well done and the chase like i, I felt like every single scene was vital added more to it either in character tension or mythology and then the actual big twist has adds a lot of depth to the episode feels like it has a lot to say and you know it, it doesn't give you a definitive mm-hmm. answer at the end it, it gives you a kind of an ending but ultimately leaves you with these questions that i think it wants you to ponder um i think you know obviously at the end of the season we'll do our top 10 episodes of the season but i will say so far this is easily the best episode of the season like there's, there's no oh, question yeah. Easy. The, the first <laughs> five don't even compare to this episode it is night and day uh, yeah it's, it's a nice reminder of oh yeah this is why we were watching this show again yeah this is why we chose to do this crazy idea it wasn't <laughs> yeah there's some there's some special ones in here this one feels it, it's like a, reading a, a perfect little like sci-fi ray bradbury short story like mm. That's why we write sci-fi, and that's why we, that's why we love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we'll do like a top ten of the entire show when we're done, like the whole thing, but um, I have to imagine this would probably get on there. I mean, who knows? I Maybe mean, it, it's it's pretty flawless. Yeah. That, I, so that is I the Beholder. Of course, the end of the episode, uh, Serling sort of shows up and tells us about. But I love his entrance at the start actually, because it's after the two nurses are talking at the counter. We see like his shadow, like behind the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the stained glass. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> it's Rod. <laughs> yeah, and he comes out and does his little speech. But at the end, he's telling us about next week's story, the next episode's story, and I'm it's excited. called "The Nick of Time." Here's the description on IMDb. A pair of newlyweds stopping in a small town are trapped by their own superstition when playing a fortune telling machine in a local diner. Uh, what, what? And it stars. Oh, I just saw the photo. <laughs> 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 okay, yes, William Shatner is in the next episode. <laughs> James Tiberius Kirk. Oh. Is in the next. <laughs> don't do that. Is in the next episode. He should have been in this one. He should have been the ugly person in this one. Oh, he should have been under the the bandages. Yes, I mean, you could tell from the pictures in, on there. I'm sure, like, he was a fine man. <laughs> <laughs> was being the keyword. So I'm yes, super excited to see a very young William Shatner pre Star Trek. William Shatner. Yeah, by a good 
five, six years, actually. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just pretty cool. And of uh, course, not the last time we see him in the Twilight Zone. Oh, but. no, no, because this is, this is not his famous episode. His famous episode is uh, Nightmare at whatever number th- feet. 30,000? 20,000, I think. 20,000, okay. Um, so, no, that's pretty cool. Um, I, what I loved about this, though, is Serling started by saying, oh, I'm sure you've all encountered a little fortune thing like this. And I'm like, no, I was born in 1989. I've never seen one of these things in my absolute <laughs> life. What are you talking about, old man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you go to, like, retro diners and stuff, I think they have some things like that at the tables, or at least they used to. Um, I don't know. I don't know how common they were. They're probably more common in like fairgrounds. I just love that sentence. At least they used to be talking about a retro diner. Like even the retro diners are retro. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I really don't see it anymore. There used to be like a chain um, that was in a lot of malls and stuff, like uh, Johnny Rockets. I don't know if they're even around anymore. I wonder, like, I wonder if like all those fifties diners and stuff you got in the nineties. I wonder if they were like, like two, you know, like the generation or, or two after us. Are going to be wondering why we're all obsessed with the 80s. They're going to be like, why is there so much 80s nostalgia in like all your movies and stuff? That's already the case. Did you not see Ready Player One? Or <laughs> well, I, I, I did, but I still enjoy Stranger 80s. Stranger Things. <laughs> Stranger Things is great. I love Stranger Things, but Ready Player One was was weak sauce. I'll. I like Ready that. Player One more than I like Stranger Things. Ooh, hot take. No one's perfect, clearly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, even the Smothers Brothers or whoever writes those shows, whatever their names are. Doobie Brothers? <laughs> it's not the Russos. No. You, you haven't even gotten close. Hold on a second. I'm going to look. I can't remember, but I'm going to look it up because you're, you're butchering it and I have to check. The Stooges? <laughs> Abbott and Costello. That's who they are. Duffer, the Duffer Brothers. Duffer. I would have gotten it. <laughs> that has been uh, by the Beholder, Twilight Zone episode six, season two. Uh, so we're back next time, episode seven. Let us know what you thought of this one in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the show, Tara, how can they do that? Why? If you like what we do, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV and donating as little as a dollar per month will get you bonus episodes of other shows that we do, including Ace, the Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is our science fiction movie show. So if you're a fan of science fiction, which you probably are, if you like Twilight Zone, go check it out. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what we should have done for this episode, I've just, I've just thought of it. We should have tilted our cameras down and just shot from the neck down <laughs> for the whole thing wrap a scarf around my face <laughs> yeah I, yeah i'll do neck you have a scarf around your face and i'll shoot from the neck down we should have, we should have done that damn it that was a golden idea <laughs> all right go put your nurse outfit on and then we'll do it again there was a doctor <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, that has been Twilight Zone, guys. Thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys, in the Twilight Zone. <laughs>